All right, welcome back to PT Meal Podcast, a buffet of play, therapies, movement, exercises, activities, and leisure, all packed in a hearty conversation of the physical therapy profession and practice with a Filipino flavor. I am Johan de La Paz, your host, as always. Thank you for joining us. So, sorry. So for this um, episode, uh, we are joined by our former guest, uh, Elias Ortayag, to talk about um, hospice care primarily and uh, some parts of, like probably of, of palliative care as well. So, um, uh, well, before anything else, let me welcome my my guest for today, Elias Ortayag. He's a board-certified clinical specialist in both orthopedic and geriatric physical therapy. He owns a, a a home health agency, a hospice agency, and a um, home health rehab company. So, Ellie, welcome back to the show. <laughs> well, my pleasure, actually. Thank you very much for having me again. I think it's uh, been two years, right? Yeah, it's been two years. <laughs> years. Yeah, Ellie was one of the, the first guests that I had uh, in, in the podcast. And if you, you know, he talked about home health, what is home health here in the U.S.? And if you want to check that out, it's, I think, episode 12 in the podcast. So, so long ago, 2020. So I'm glad to have um, Ellie back here to talk about hospice care. So um, we were talking about earlier, like, why hospice care? Because um, when, I, when I came over uh, to the U.S., I wasn't really, you know, I didn't know that physical therapists have any role in hospice care. So when I was in the in the Philippines, the the only time that I heard about hospice was when we're doing outreach programs, right? Like in in, in schools, and we go to hospice to you know entertain the 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 patients there, give them like food, and 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 talk to them. And that was all that I know about hospice. But hospice care here in in the U.S. entails a, a different type. Of care, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So, uh, before anything else, um, uh, Ellie, uh, could you uh, introduce yourself to us for those who uh, don't know you yet? A little, you know, description or a little uh, a description of what you do. Yes, uh, my name is Elazar Tayag, like what uh, Johan said. I'm a double certified. Um, um, PT specialist in both uh, orthopedic and um, geriatric physical therapy. So I am the administrator of Imperial Home Health, which is based in Victorville, Victorville, California, and uh, the clinical operations manager for Caring Shield Hospice in Riverside, California. So I'm currently um, the, one of the faculty of the advanced competency in uh, home health by the American Physical Therapy Association, so home health section. At the same time, you know, I'm a board of trustee of the nonprofit organization Future Foundation, which advocates for the Filipino physical therapy profession. At the same time, you know, um, the multicultural physical therapy group of the American Physical Therapy Association. All right. See, so who better to ask about you know home health and hospice and here so uh let's get right uh, to it so first question is what is hospice care and uh, later on like what is palliative care yes um 
hospice care is technically uh, the end of life uh, medical care. So that's basically it because, you know, um, we have to understand that, you know, there is um, a usual stigma with, with death and especially here, especially in the Philippines, for example, compared to uh, the United States, which we're in hospice or the end of uh, life care is more accepted more than in, in the Philippines. So <clears throat> let's do a little bit of history of um, hospice care. So when you say hospice care, a hospice, mm-hmm. it actually came from a Latin word hospitum, which means hospitality or guest house. So basically the origin of the word it came from like religious monasteries, I believe in France where they provide home and shelter and food for the travelers. So <clears throat> hospice was founded in uh, Lyon, in France, actually, mm. by uh, Jean Garnier. So from Jean Garnier, it's more of like caring for dying uh, patients or clients. There's really no structure in the care. But mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, in 1967... In London, um, there is this uh, very famous uh, hospice trailblazer. Uh, Her name is Dame Cicely Saunders. She founded uh, the modern hospice movement. This is where hospice care in America is patterned from, where there is medical care for for patients, usually in their in their home at the end of at the end of life. So we have to remember that the hospice Philosophy is different from, like, for example, uh, home health. The philosophy of hospice is comfort care versus cure. Mm-hmm. So we have to remember that, you know, a death should be an accepted face of life. You know, mm-hmm. death should be, uh, a, death is inevitable. I mean, inevitable in eventuality of, of life is just some people die sooner than others you know they die later in in the filipino they say it's the same it's the same thing so you know in in hospice you embrace the last six months of your life so you pretty much uh embrace death make peace with with death Mm -hmm. so like what i said a while ago um hospice is technically medical care at the end of life especially for patients with terminal illnesses like uh, let's assume advanced heart disease um cancer stroke lung disease liver disease kidney disease uh hiv als or lou gehrig's uh, multiple sclerosis and other neurologic diseases we also have to understand that hospice is a service it's not a place <clears throat> a lot of people um you know have that misconception that hospice is a place to die right. actually um, you can have hospice care anywhere you feel comfortable um uh, you know any 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 home that you consider so mm-hmm. it can be at your private residence it can be at the hospital it can be in an assisted living facility or skilled nursing facility and so on and so forth. So what hospice goal is, is to um, make the most of the time that remains. 
so you die with honor and dignity. At the same time, you provide support for the hospice patient and also the family members who are involved in the in the in the care. So <clears throat> your your wishes are honored. Um, you know, um, the focus a lot on comfort care, like manage pain, symptom symptom relief versus cure. Mm-hmm. So hospice is believed, um, you know, to improve the quality of life in the last six months. But at the same time, a study found that it actually increases the quantity of life at the same time. So it it improves the quality at the same time, time increases the quantity. They're saying that on the average, hospice patients actually live 29 days longer. Oh, really? Than those ones that have never received uh, hospice care. Mm. So this was a study way back in 2007 by O'Connor and and colleagues. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> in hospice, the focus is a lot on um, comfort care. At the mm-hmm. same time, support, emotional, social, spiritual support. So, you know, one of the, I mean, I can give you examples of patients who are appropriate for hospice. For example, somebody who has a terminal cancer, a pancreatic cancer, for example, you know, my dad, my dad died of uh, pancreatic cancer. So, you know, I've faced, uh, you know, these types of situations where you have to make very difficult uh, discussions and decisions. Yeah. And also my, my mom in 2014 was, you know, uh, in coma for a few days. So we had to make those healthcare decisions. It was really, really difficult if, especially if there's really no advanced care directive. Mm -hmm. Philippines is not really a place where it's very common to have advanced care directive unless, you know, you're in the, the wealthy side where, you know, you have to, you have to distribute the wealth and so on and so forth. So it can also be patients, uh, you know, those cancer patients that have given up on chemotherapy or radiation therapy, they're not seeking any treatment any mm-hmm. longer. I mean, in a way, they don't want to seek further treatment because uh, the doctor probably said the, the illness is terminal or, you know, looking into um, pros and cons of going through chemo. I mean, managing all the uh, side effects of chemo or radiation probably is not worth it. So some of the patients will say, you know, I don't want to go to the hospital. I don't want to have chemo. I don't want to have radiation. So those are the patients that are appropriate for or for hospice. <clears throat> I mean, hospice care and home health care are pretty much in a way the same um, in a lot of ways. It's just the philosophy for hospice, like what I said, is uh, purely comfort care versus home health, which is curative in nature. But the hospice uh, team or the home health team are almost different. I mean, almost the same. There's a little bit of tweak. For example, the hospice team is comprised of a hospice doctor, a registered nurse, a social worker, a hospice aide, you know, hospice aide or the home health aide in home health side, in addition to uh, chaplain. Mm-hmm. 
So, you know, chaplain, which can partner with a patient's own clergy, like a priest, a pastor, or whoever. You know, additional um, part of the core hospice team would be a community volunteer for companionship. And lastly, bereavement specialists. So these are people that are um, that specialize on grief and loss support. Mm -hmm. So this is based on the, you know, like what CMS describes as the hospice team. But mm -hmm. there are complementary or other disciplines like uh, physical thera therapist or occupational therapist or speech therapist or massage therapist that can be part of the team. The, the core team are those. Mm -hmm. The doctor, the RN, the social worker, the hospice aide, the chaplain, the bereavement specialist, and the volunteer. Gotcha. But we play a big role, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, basically hospice care is for comfort, end of life, for the last six months. You mentioned last six months. And mm -hmm. it's a service. It's not exactly a place. You can do, you know, you can have hospice care wherever the patient feels comfortable and how is hospice care different from palliative care we also hear palliative care in in other the settings is it the same or how how similar or how different are these two okay so before i discuss that let's let's talk a little bit more about the comparison between home health and hospice before we you know discuss hospice with the uh, palliative, palliative care, care. Yeah. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of uh, similarities for um, uh, hospice and home health. I mean, normally, it, of course, it's medical care provided at, you know, the patient's uh, home. Homes. Mm -hmm. so, so they remain at the patient's home. So they provide both physical and psychosocial care. So it also, aside from medical care, both will... Um, provide even personal care, like a home health aid care, a hospice aid care. Mm -hmm. And there is unlimited recertification according to Medicare, so long as uh, there is a need. So, Which one is this, home health or hospice? Actually, or both? both. Both, okay. Yeah, so long as, you know, the criteria are, um, what's this? Uh, met. Yes, the criteria are met. It's unlimited. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing that a lot of people don't know right mm -hmm. so, so they both have an individualized uh, plan of care for hospice it's six months or less you know the care like terminal illness mm -hmm. um there's no homebound requirement for hospice so oh. even patients can go out you know it's fine mm -hmm. they're not bound by the homebound requirement and the visits are are up to twenty four hours a day, oh, wow. when medically necessary. Compared oh. to home health, which is also an inter intermittent. However, there is uh, the homebound status requirement. At the same time, visits can be limited to just up to eight hours a day total. Supposedly, these are based on the conditions of participation in the home health and hospice uh, benefits. Uh, manual uh -huh. so those are the you know the um, similarities and differences between home health and hospice how about uh, uh, hospice versus palliative care 
So we have to understand they are sometimes interchangeable, but there is a difference. Mm -hmm. So let's start, let's tackle first with how are they similar? So they're both comfort care. So mm -hmm. uh, both medical and personal care, like what I said a while ago, um, but the focus is symptom relief. Uh -huh. Same, so symptom relief, comfort care. So they also address both physical and psychosocial aspects for both uh, patients and family members. The difference, the main difference is for hospice, it's at the last six months. For palliative care is at the discretion of the physician. It can be at any stage of the illness. Mm -hmm. So the doctor can, can order it um, anytime. So long as the illness is serious, mm -hmm. okay, it's a terminal terminal illness as well. For for um, hospice care, obviously, you know, um, it's a terminal illness. It's an advanced stage of the illness. So, the intent of um, of hospice, like what I said, is not curative. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there is is only comfort care for. Palliative care, it's also comfort care, but it can be with the intent to cure or not cure. Mm -hmm. So obviously, you know, whatever they do um, in the hospital um, where they manage the symptoms at the same time, manage the pain, but also providing uh, comfort, I mean, providing comfort care and, you know, there's an intention to cure is palliative palliative in nature okay so so that's basically the difference between uh, palliative and and hospice care mm -hmm. right so i uh... mean sometimes what happens is uh, there are patients that are not ready for uh -huh. hospice care they might be in the terminal stage but you know we can put them under palliative uh, palliative care because they still have an intention to actually get cured. Mm -hmm. One classic example is like, for example, a patient, you know, with end stage renal disease, right. you know, who are undergoing dialysis, for example, these patients undergo dialysis and, you know, there's still an intent to try to, to cure. Right. But if a patient, for example, refuses to, um, go on dialysis, you know, they're tired of, you know, the post-dialysis uh, um, issues, for example, they get extremely tired and all that, and they don't want to be on dialysis, they can be under hospice, hospice care. Mm -hmm. And how, how does how does the doctors uh, determine if the patient's only going to be or, or only going to live for six months or less? Is it based on their, you know, all all of their health and stuff well i believe uh, the doctors palliative uh, you usually have their own criteria especially mm -hmm. if you for example a a cancer patient on mm -hmm. stage 4 obviously you know the normal course of cancer the patient mm -hmm. will will pass especially mm -hmm. if it's a, a malignant type of cancer so All right. i mean in the end uh it's usually the doctor that uh, it, it is the doctor that uh, uh certifies the uh cti what they call the cert certification for terminal illness in mm -hmm. hospice uh, by the way 
there has to be two doctors that will have to certify terminal illness. Mm -hmm. So the first one can be, you know, whoever is the normally the primary doctor in corroboration with the hospice doctor. Mm -hmm. So the hospice doctor is the one that does the certification for terminal illness. But you also have to understand that patients can elect the hospice doctor to be also their primary doctor. So mm -hmm. if that's the case, then there's only one um, MD that needs to sign the certificate for terminal illness. Mm -hmm. I had a, a patient back then that was um, when I was in home health, uh, the, the nurse was talking to that patient and opening up the option of hospice. Can Can patients refuse uh, hospice services and continue with, you know, home health services if they wanted to, uh, even if, you know, the doctor has already said that, okay, you, you might have less than six months to live. I mean, in any type of medical care, a mm -hmm. patient can refuse uh -huh. any type of care. So mm -hmm. in hospice, there's what you call a hospice selection. So the mm -hmm. patient should agree. Or uh -huh. if the patient, you know, is not mentally competent, there is a healthcare proxy or a mm -hmm. durable uh, healthcare uh, power of attorney or something like that. Right. And then the, the POA or the healthcare proxy will be the one who will decide. But otherwise, mm -hmm. you know, they always have the choice. Mm -hmm. So if they refuse, that's why I was telling you a while ago, there are patients that are really appropriate for hospice, but they will never be ready for hospice. We That's have, true. you know, we have quite a few patients mm -hmm. in the home health side that we've been trying to get them on hospice because they are more appropriate for hospice. So they're really mm -hmm. comfort care management of symptoms. But, you know, some of these family members are not ready. Right. So, and it's very, very common in, for example, in the Hispanic population, or the Asian population to let go and not to let go mm -hmm. because I think culturally letting go is giving up in their, in yeah. their culture, but it is an election. So you choose mm -hmm. not to, if you, if you don't want to. Right. And, and even like for us, physical therapists, we coming into physical therapy, I didn't know that I would have to deal with like death and, 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 and grief and something like that so i wasn't aware that there would be a time in my life in in my career that i would have to deal with that um speaking of physical therapy um with hospice service what is the role of physical therapists you mentioned earlier that we have a vital role in in this uh care as well so um uh my my experience was that like i when I was in home health, we had like a contract with a hospice agency and the, and I wasn't, you know, I wasn't sure that why, what, what if it, that is hospice, what would I do there? So what I just did was assess for um, DME needs, like how to make the patient comfortable in their home. So uh, if they needed like um, a wheelchair or a walker or whatever, or, um, bedside commode. So those are the things that I had experienced. I think that just was one time. But in 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 
and 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 you know in how about you so what what is the role of physical therapists in hospice care since you're the one that has like a a, a hospice um agency actually uh the the physical therapists are a very valuable mm -hmm. um part part of the team if mm -hmm. if hospice agencies would uh, recognize the value of what we do okay so and especially when it comes to symptom control or comfort control so when it comes to symptom control or comfort control like when it comes to uh, management of pain there's a lot of non-pharmacologic ways that physical therapists can do like um let's soft myofascial release a uh, soft tissue <clears throat> um yeah. massage you know uh it can also be uh, modalities i know you know in the pt world you know modalities are not really the thing now but you know for hospice patients that is going through a lot of uh, let's assume nerve pain or cancer pain and all that um let's assume um a tense unit can actually provide some type of uh, of uh, pain relief and also we can um like what you said when it comes to um uh, durable medical equipment or let's say uh consultation for a brace or you know things like that we can also be very very valuable for that you know let, just imagine a patient with um post stroke for example maybe a splint or a brace can help, especially for a, um, a flaccid, painful arm, for example. Positioning to prevent uh, uh, pressure sores, you know, lessening uh, pain, preventing contractures, helping the patient breathe a little better, you know, or something mm -hmm. like that. We can be very, very valuable on that aspect. You know, as simple as energy conservation, I'm setting up the room, setting up the home. You know, there are patients that need to walk, right? To at least uh, maintain their their function. If they get extremely short of breath, for example, there is uh, what says a metastasis in the, in the lungs. So minimal uh, exertion causes uh, shortness of breath. We can, we can set up the home where, you know, there can be a chair, every 10 feet or something like that until they get to their uh, kitchen and so on and so forth. And energy conservation technique is also uh, very important. And also gate training, transfer, safety instructions, um, teaching the caregiver how to properly position patients, you know, uh, teaching patients, uh, teaching caregivers how to, uh, you know, do the home exercise for help the patients uh, do home health, home exercise program. Edema management, for example, is a breast cancer patient where, you know, the arm is uh, very, very swollen, um, and it's causing a lot of a lot of pain. Edema management can also be part of it. Mm -hmm. So, equipment recommendations as well. You know, uh, like what we were talking about, modification of the placement of the bed. Uh, the wheelchair during transfers, the uh, shower chair, and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. You know, these are the things that uh, a PT can actually help the, the patients and the families with. So wow. we have that direct patient care at the same time, the educator uh, trainer role, especially mm -hmm. when we teach the, the patients and the, and the family members.
you know, so the, the thing there is um, sometimes we forget that there are certain patients that their mobility or the, the, the ability to move, especially those ones that have always been very independent, creates that uh, sense of self. So mm-hmm. if they're just, you know, on their deathbed, being able to get out of the bed, walk, do certain things for themselves, you know, restores that sense of self for for a lot of a lot of patients. And that is, uh, I would say, some kind of uh, comfort care, mm-hmm. if if you ask. Me. Right. So um, also a lot of caregiver education, you know, you can help them uh, decrease their or reduce their anxiety about taking care of their family members. Mm-hmm. And lastly, um, you know, when it comes to addressing shortness of breath, postural drainage, remember uh, chest PT before during, right. <laughs> during our time, which is yeah. not to, a very common thing that's uh, done that we by do here <laughs> yeah, anymore in here in the United States, which used to be a part of what we do, but not any longer since the respiratory therapists are here. But, you know, positioning, airway clearance, postural drainage, secretion mobilization, the percussion, the shaking, the vibration, <laughs> all right. that coupling and all yeah. that, it can help with symptom relief, especially with shortness of breath, uh, chest mobility exercise, for example, you know, the posture is getting worse. So they're barely, uh, they're using a lot of, uh, what's this, the, the accessory muscles, we can help them with, with that, you know, increase the mobility of the, uh, the chest, I mean, the thoracic cavity and so on. And so the, these are the things that a PT can be an experts on. I'm sure you, you, um would say yes on those uh right. those yeah right yeah actually uh when you're, you're talking about that i mean i didn't realize that that we can do that much with patients in home hospice care i yeah because as i've said my own experience was i thought that i could just like provide the dme equipments that's the only instruction that i had back then but you talking about those other treatment uh, uh, that we can offer the patients in 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 their last remaining months or you know time with us, and I, I like what you said, like um, giving the the patient or empowering the patient, actually like giving them that the sense of dignity of being able to walk around by themselves is, as you said, comfort uh, care as well, and. And also, I would agree that since there, this is new to, you know, and maybe hard for the caregivers as well, education on their, in their part and their role in that care would also be essential. So that's, uh, you know, that's really eye-opening. Uh, I didn't know that we can do a lot in hospice care. Uh, you know, the, the thing there is a lot of hospice agencies don't actually... Um, see the value in us. I think mm-hmm. they, they feel like uh, physical therapist is additional uh, financial burden for the hospice agency. But, you know, ultimately they have to understand the whole purpose of hospice is to provide comfort and relief. And we will be, you know, a very important uh, complementary, uh, um, I mean, therapy or discipline in the in the hospice care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially when you say, you know, the, the 
non-pharmacologic approach to pain. So yeah, we we can be uh, one of the you know good consult consultants for that. Correct. Um, so for um for dealing with hospice um, services, are there any considerations or special approaches in in dealing with patients under hospice service, or do you just see that type of patient as any other patient uh, in your caseload that? you identify a problem and the the solution provide a solution for that yeah i mean it, it's it's basically it's basically the same you know mm-hmm. um our approach in treatment where you know if you find a problem you you create solutions for it but when, when it comes to hospice you know the thing is there has to be a buy in with the patient at the same time you as a as a care professional, there has to be the buy-in into the philosophy of hospice. Right. Because a lot of times we, we fall into the trap that, you know, we want these patients to get better. Right. But basically True. in hospice care, that's not that's not the purpose of mm-hmm. uh, hospice care. The purpose of hospice care is to provide comfort and manage the symptoms. Basically, that's it. So, you know, when it comes to like uh, creating plans of care and all that, you know, you you should not be adding, um, you know, goals that this patient will walk from this to this, be independent in this and so on and so forth, because that's not to how, how it works. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you change, if you change the way you think when it comes to hospice, I mean, especially for a lot of physical therapists who are afraid of even seeing hospice patients, I mean, you, you will realize how valuable we are as a as a profession in the hospice mm-hmm. hospice care, and talking about goals for a patient, we and and hospice is um, provided or paid for by Medicare, right? Yes, yeah. um, actually, uh, all insurances uh, all insurances for, for for hospice care. Uh-huh. I mean, Medicare pays a hundred percent. There's no copay. Uh-huh. Uh, insurances any VA or uh, like Tricare TriWest mm-hmm. even uh, if it's a, if it's a Medicare HMO for example once they enroll um, to hospice care they're automatically um, back to straight Medicare mm-hmm. okay so compared to like home health care where if the patient is enrolled with a Medicare HMO the HMO is the one that uh, approves the home health care and will be the one at risk. But for for Medicare, it's a different. I mean, for Medicare HMOs, it's a different story. If they have, for example, Humana Medicare or United Healthcare Medicare, once they enroll with hospice, it's actually Medicare that pays for the whole hospice care. Oh, okay. So and just um, to give an idea for you know those ones that um, I know a few physical therapists that actually own home health and hospice agencies close mm-hmm. to our area i have like three or four um you know pts that i know you know when it comes to you know the business side of of hospice you know it's always it's it's also a very um uh i would say cutthroat to business it's even worse than uh worse than uh home health uh to say the least it's because uh um hospice care actually is always at the top of the totem pole when it comes to the payment. So the thing there is if a patient is under hospice care, the assumption is this patient will be given medical care 
um, at home, okay, they should not be going to the hospital to receive medical care in the hospital, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. So um, if a patient is enrolled in hospice and there's a home health agency that is seeing the patient as well, they don't know that there is a hospice agency that's seeing that this patient, the home health agency will not be paid. Right. If a hospital treats a hospice patient, they don't bill Medicare. They bill uh, the hospice agency unless the patient revokes the hospice election. Mm. But if they did not revoke the hospice election, the hospice agency will be the one that will pay for hospitalizations for any type of care. Okay. So it's an all inclusive care, yes. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Because, yeah, <laughs> you talked about like when you're in a hospice, a patient is in a hospice care and going to the um, hospital. I wonder, like, if a patient is in hospice service and had a different emergency or different condition that warrants immediate or urgent um, attention, different from why the patient is hospice service, would would that um, would the hospital still bill the hospice service? Like no, for example, uh, the, the patient yeah, fell. Yeah, let, let me correct what I said. I'll just uh, you know have an addendum or something. That if a patient goes to the hospital for other diagnosis or reasons beh- beside the terminal illness, oh, for okay. example, then then the hospital can directly uh, bill the insurance company. Uh, so one one classic example of that, for example, a cancer patient, you know, the terminal illness is, let's say, a cancer of the pancreas, for example. Mm-hmm. The patient falls. Uh-huh, right. The patient falls, breaks the hip. Mm-hmm. Of course, obviously the patient needs, a, a, you know, a hip replacement or mm-hmm. a hip uh, internal fixation. Right. They can go to the hospital and seek help for that without okay. uh, affecting Ooh. the hospice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. I thought the patient would be worried like, oh, I'm in hospice care. They won't uh, uh, give me medical attention anymore because they're thinking that I'm going to die in six months or something. Okay. So that's, I mean, that's still know, part no. of dignity <laughs> and, and, you know, comfort. Right, right, right. right. Um, what do you call this? I was about to ask something, um, but that was interesting. Um, in in terms of like probably more uh physical therapy goals, no. Um, we we meant you mentioned that for hospice care, hospice service, it's comfort care, right? So in formulating a physical therapy goal, how can what goals can can physical therapists write there? Not you know without phrasing it as anything cure curative like patient will not be you know our usual goals would be patient will be able to walk mm-hmm. 100 feet or something like that but in terms of um hospice care what are the goals achievable goals that we can do for them how do we phrase that actually when when it comes to hospice care i would recommend that the goal should be more educational and training mm. goals okay so for example you know teaching the patient and the family how to uh, do the exercises or how to properly manage their their equipment or how to manage pain like for example you will teach them that if they're in a lot of pain they can use the tense unit for uh 15 uh, i mean 15 30 minutes mm-hmm. you know and, 
things like that. So more on like education and and training goals. But when it comes to like functional, um, I don't I don't see the the point. Uh huh. Okay. So more on education when 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 a physical yeah. therapist goes to uh, a patient in hospice service. Gotcha. So mm-hmm. you, you touched on this earlier that that the hospice care or hospice services in the top of that like totem pole of services like um because i remember i had a, a patient with chronic kidney disease i was seeing for home health and on my way to that um patient the office called me and said are you about to go to uh did you see this patient today i told them no no i'm all right i'm on my way there right now and they said oh you don't have to go there anymore hospice is already there i was like okay <laughs> and i just let it go and and then later on i found out that ho- home health and hospice cannot exist at the same time so when hospice is there home health is gone already <laughs> i mean practically yes mm-hmm. on, on your on your example but technically they can coexist oh i mean not coexist but uh, <laughs> i i mean you they can have both uh hospice and home health at the same time. But remember, when there's a terminal diagnosis, the hospice care should be focused on the terminal diagnosis. Mm-hmm. But what if the home health uh, is, for example, our example on the one that had a hip replacement, oh, yeah. uh-huh. goes home, needs uh-huh. physical therapy, for example. So the home health diagnosis will be different from the hospice diagnosis. And home health can, I mean, patients can be seen in home health, but the problem uh-huh. that we have, that's why I said it's uh, technically you can have both home uh-huh. health and hospice at the same time with two different diagnoses, but practically it's very difficult because uh, it's, it's, it's in a ways uh, uh, a cost for an audit. Uh-huh. I, I would say if you ask me, mm. because if, if they see it, this patient is on hospice, why is this patient being seen for home health? Right. I mean, some some agencies just refuse to have that type of burden when it comes mm-hmm. to you know uh so they'd rather just have one uh service mm-hmm. i mean right. believe it or not you can have outpatient therapy while you're having hospice oh really okay. yeah but the, the problem there is like what i said a lot of the outpatient facilities i know they don't do it because when it comes to billing and all that and trying mm-hmm. to justify uh, physical therapy in an outpatient while receiving hospice, it's, uh-huh. it's, it's kind of difficult. So what one, uh, I mean, some uh, hospice agencies that I know, instead of having this patient go to outpatient and will uh, what's this, um, complicate the billing process, mm-hmm. they just pay for the physical therapy of the patient in an outpatient. Oh, and, gotcha. Okay. So it's like a letter of agreement or something, but ultimately the hospice agency is taking that hit mm-hmm. on those okay. types of cases. So, so the the outpatient physical therapy can would not bill uh, the the insurance, but right. just uh, wait for the hospice service to okay. pay them. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, those those are the the ways that you know hospice agencies that I know, uh, you know, Does it? tackle these type of mm. conflict. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In my example, because we're, we're, 
either when I was in home health and the, the hospice care came into with my patient, it's the same diagnosis because I was seeing the patient because of that diagnosis and hospice came over and took over that. That's why we had to exit. Discharge the, the patient. <laughs> discharge the right? patient. Yeah, right, right, right. Discharge from last visit, something like that. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So that's enlightening. I didn't know that that can happen or that we you know that is possible for patients. Um, are there any, you know, things that we should avoid or, you know, promote in, in caring for patients with or under hospice or palliative care? I mean, one, one thing that I, I will uh, tell the, I mean, are you talking about physical therapy? Physical and therapy. Care? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. When it comes to that, don't promise uh patients anything because sometimes mm -hmm. you know we get out of that um paradigm that philosophy of comfort care and these patients will start to or the family members will think otherwise and say okay my mom will get better and all that so instead of um, keeping hospice services they want to be discharged from hospice because you know they feel like the mom or the dad will get get better especially if if the PT is not properly educated on the hospice philosophy <clears throat> for I mean for for a PT I mean one, you know tips that I can you know instead of uh, you know the, the do's I mean the don'ts um, as a PT when you're when you're doing your interventions always tie everything into symptom relief and comfort provision and uh, management don't make promises to these patients that you know your mom will get better can walk a mile after right you know you're doing this and all mm -hmm. and all that and you also have to explain to them that the physical therapy is not here to help cure the the patient but to provide comfort as much as possible so mm -hmm. when it comes to hospice care i mean these are practical tips that i want to tell anyone um Number one is uh, while you're healthy and you're able to make decisions, I mean, always start embracing the possibility of, of death and start making decisions while death is far, not when it is imminent. I mean, mm -hmm. that's uh, one classic example I have is my, my mom, for example, like I said, in 2014, uh, my, me, my, uh, brother and another brother um, from Canada, we all uh, flew to the Philippines because my mom was, you know, in coma, to uh, coma for a few days. And um, during that time, we had to make the decision, are we going to pull the plug or not? It was a very difficult decision. So I just realized that, you know, if our mom actually wrote something or you know, there's like a will and testament and all that. It should have been easier. I mean, for, for us, it's really that stigma with death is something that we need to remove because, you know, like what I said, it's an eventuality of, of life. So start making advanced care planning while you're still alive, mm -hmm. right? Right. I mean, also, uh, when it comes to hospice, also tell the patients that it's not the end. Sometimes patients get better, even though 
they're terminally ill, you can revoke your hospice election anytime. Mm -hmm. So, and not because a patient is on hospice means that that's it. There are times that, you know, the patients get better, they get out of hospice and they can, you know, go back to home health. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. So make those, uh, like what I said about uh, going back to the advanced care planning, make um, the difficult conversations with with your family about uh, death, about funeral, about memorial services, about hospice care. And healthcare wishes should always be written mm-hmm. or spoken. So if you're familiar with the P-O-L-S-T, the Paul's, uh, you right. know, yeah, those ones are very important uh, in hospice care as well, you know, but there has to be a document mm-hmm. that's written. So, and also um, patients that undergo hospice care, there is this other stigma that once they go through hospice care, you know, especially when there's a chaplain involved, then they cannot uh, practice their really religious preferences too. That's not true because you know, so supposedly spiritual care in hospice is non-denominational. So it has to work hand in hand with the with the clergy of the of the um patient mm-hmm. or the family. And also look into the port support system. So one of the issues that we have normally, especially patients, if they live by themselves, there's no family member, it's really difficult yeah. to provide hospice uh, hospice care. I mean I for me personally, I don't want to die alone. Mm-hmm. So I mean, <clears throat> that's the thing. Uh, those are the difficult conversations that you need to start to uh, having with, if you don't have family members, at least close friends. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, I mean, those are those are the things. And and lastly, like uh, uh, I always say, there is dignity in dying, mm-hmm. and that's what hospice care is all about right and just talking about that it's it feels heavy already just trying to you know say that discussion to start that discussion feels already heavy but you're right it's something that you have to you know think about already while you're still uh you know alert awake and uh can make decisions by yourself Okay. Also, thank you, Ellie, for that very informational and you know, um, you know, learnings that you you explained to us about hospice care and palliative care. Um, and I'm sure our audience have learned a lot of things um, that we as physical therapists can do so much for patients who are under hospice services. Um, Sigur- uh, Sigur- we can end with our last bites just like before um i have my three last bites three last questions for you and same as before i didn't send you these questions but uh, i know spontaneous <laughs> so um my first last bite is what is your recipe for success um i would say it's a lot of uh, a lot of prayer i mean i'm i'm a deeply religious person so I feel that uh, there is a a purpose for everything that I I do. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I know that I'm the master of my own fate and the captain of my ship. But I feel that my path has been 
laid right in front of me. It's mm-hmm. just me trying to make sure that that path is is tread. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of, uh, I, I mean, a lot of preparation as well. Sometimes the problem is the opportunity comes that we're not prepared. So when we when we encounter those opportunities, we should be prepared all the time. That's why, you know, I always tell people that I know the preparation can be, you know, education, try to uh, continue learning all, all the time so that when the time comes, the opportunity knocks, then just open the door. And I would say, uh, lastly, uh, support system Mm -hmm. so i mean what's what's the purpose of all these uh, success if you have no one to share it with so that's where family friends are you know very very important all right good answer (laughs) yeah i I did not prepare (laughs) yeah but that that's that's good those are good answers (laughs) And and continuing from what you said about you know continuing learning, my second last bite is, how do you continue to improve or develop yourself through the years? I mean, at this at this point in time, I know what I want. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I do a lot of uh, not really like self help books, but I mean, prepare myself mentally because you know if I'm trying to pursue you know, specific endeavors for, for myself personally. And, you know, in business, I have to be mentally prepared. So mm-hmm. I read a lot of, uh, um, what's this self-help books. I love, uh, some podcasts. I mean, one of my favorite podcasts at this point in time is say Hill bloom. If, if you know him, so mm-hmm. just how do you spell podcast, Yeah. Say Hill. Say Hill. It's S A H I L B L O O M. Okay. I'll try so to look into it. You will that. fall in love with, uh, you know, things that he say. Mm-hmm. Actually, that was my third question for you. Something you read, listened to, or watched that you found helpful. So, um, Say Hill Bloom. And have you read anything that you, you found helpful recently? Actually, um, one of the things I'm currently reading the book uh, uh, Influence mm. because you know I'm I'm in uh, the leadership position. You know, I right. feel like uh, to be able to be a an excellent, great leader, you have to be able to influence, influence. people, and right. those are the things that I'm working on right now. I mean, I have I have my own ways, but mm-hmm. you know, reading these types of books actually. Uh, it expands my my knowledge about mm-hmm. uh, leadership, and I really need that now, especially to be able to uh, expand. Uh, you know, um, getting I mean, going towards um, more endeavors in mm-hmm. in business and in mm-hmm. personal life, for example. Right. Uh, I feel that uh, I need those types of uh, books. All right, thank you. We're gonna look into that. Influence. Do you remember who the the author is? I'm trying to. <clears throat> oh my god! I All right, I'll look it up and check with you. Check with you if that was influence. Okay, I'm on like six or seven chapter of that book. 
All right. And as a takeaway, something that we want our audience to take away in their practice after listening to this podcast, what is that one thing that you want our audience to really think about and take to their practice? I mean, I, I would probably just say that if, especially for the physical therapists out there, one thing to explore and all that, uh, you know, just take the first step. Sometimes uh, what keeps you from from achieving your goal is to actually do step number one. Mm -hmm. So do it. So do the first step and the rest is the rest will follow. All right. Gotcha. Do the first step. I like that. All right. Thank you very much again, Ellie, for coming into the show to to uh, explain to us, to educate us, inform us on what hospice care is. And for everyone listening, if you want to check out, again, uh, at least first, the guesting here about home health, it's in episode 12. Go listen to that. So again, everyone, thank you very much and catch us on our next episode. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to PT Meal Podcast. If you like the show and want to support it, Please follow the podcast's social media accounts in Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Share the episodes you're listening to or episodes you love to listen to so that the message can reach more people. Also, if you have anything to share with everyone about the profession or your practice, do contact me and we can work something out. If you have any suggestions, feedbacks, questions about the show or the guests, uh, of the show, you can reach me through all the podcast's social media accounts or through the website www.ptmealpodcast.com or through email at ptmealpodcast at gmail.com. All right. Looking forward to hearing from you. Thanks. Just a reminder, folks, the podcast is intended for educational and informational purposes only. The show strives to keep all information true and correct, but humans sometimes make mistakes. Factual errors may be present, so we encourage the listeners to do their own research on the featured topics as well. Now, let's go back to the show.